0: Well, my name is Gray, and tonight, we're gonna be talking about the story of creation and your place in that story. Um, To get us started, I'm gonna give you all a little bit of background information on myself, just so y'all can get to know me a little bit. Uh, If you came to Gold Rush last year, you might remember my seminar. I did uh, the dating talk. Uh, uh, (laughs) Well, sorry to get your hopes up. We won't be talking about anything like that tonight. I'll be sticking to creation. Um, But yeah, so I went to Johns Creek High School. Uh, Any gladiators in the house? Uh, All right, that's what I like to see. Um, I just graduated this past May, and next fall I will be attending Georgia Institute of Technology. Um, So I will be, yeah, go Jackets. Um, I will be studying civil engineering, and so hopefully be building those bridges for y'all to enjoy in the future. (laughs) Well, uh, back to high school, um, I didn't actually play any sports. Uh, I know, lame, right? Um, But I'm actually, oh, that's me, yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, I didn't actually play any sports, I, uh, I'm actually an Eagle Scout, so I spend a lot of my time in the outdoors. Oh, got some Eagle Scouts in that. So all right. Heard that. Um, yeah, so I spend a lot of my time in the outdoors. Uh, you name it, hunting, fishing, camping, uh, hiking. I don't know. Any, anything. I like it all. Um, so when I heard about my opportunity to... Yeah, these are epic. Aren't these epic? Like, Oh, I love them. Okay. Uh, so yeah, when I heard about my opportunity to speak at Gold Rush and I heard about the theme spectrum, uh, I, was, uh, I was very excited and I jumped at the opportunity of talking about uh, creation, not only because I love God's creation, um, but it's, it's actually a way he speaks to me personally. Uh, for instance, when I go out into the, into the woods and I see an amazing sunset or mountain range or something like that, my only response in my initial response is that there's a God out there that loves me and that created this creation for me to enjoy. Um, Other people might look at these things and just be like, ah, what's the big deal? It's a mountain or it's the sun setting, right? Uh, But it's different for me. Um, So that's why I'm very excited to talk to y'all tonight about what I learned when I investigated this story of creation. And hopefully by the end of this, y'all will have a better understanding about uh, our God and about how he loves you and um, the story of creation in general. So before I get into the teaching, I want to talk a little bit about the theme this year at Goldrush. So what's the theme? So spectrum. all right, there we go. Y'all probably heard it a million times just in a single day today. Um, and James gave you a little bit of a description of what it is, um, but I'm gonna to try to elaborate that on just a little bit. Uh, so when I first heard the theme, I was like, spectrum. Uh, the first thing popped in my head was, uh, you know, like light rays, you know, like, uh, like UV rays and stuff like that. Um, So maybe that's my Georgia Tech side coming out. I'm not sure. Maybe that's what y'all thought too. Um, But I was like kind of confused. I was like, how does this have anything to do with a, a church conference or the Bible in general? Um, after a little bit of thought and a, uh, some help from a friend, I, I came to a realization that the Bible is a story, right? Shocker, right? Um, but, but we can actually break up this story into four main parts, and we can track these parts using colors. So that's exactly what we're going to do this week at Gold Rush. Um, obviously, tonight, the color is green, as you can tell, and uh, we're going to be talking about creation. Now, uh, before you can t- draw any conclusion from anything, you need to know its context, right? Because if you take something out of context, it actually loses its meaning. So I know y'all are very smart people, and y'all know what context is, but just in case anyone, if someone doesn't, uh, another way to put context is background information. Uh, so what I'm going to try to do first, before we jump into the actual text uh, of Genesis, I'm going to give y'all some background information of the book of Genesis, um, so y'all can understand it a little bit better. So who wrote the book? Moses wrote the book of Genesis in around 1450 BC, so give or take 3,000 years ago from now. So obviously, that was such a long time ago, um, things have changed since then. Um, And for that reason, we are not going to perfectly understand everything about Genesis, um, just because things have changed, obviously, uh, so much. For example, back then when they were transferring land, they would actually trade their sandal. Um, to like signify the trade was complete. We don't do that at all. No, we don't. So obviously things have changed in the 3,000 years since the book was written, um, but, but we're still going to be able to understand it uh, enough tonight. Another part about uh, Genesis that Moses wanted to make clear is that he wrote it to actually contradict the major beliefs of the time period, because he actually wrote it to his peers. Um, These were the Middle Eastern people that he lived with and and worked with and everything. So when he wrote it, he wanted to make it clear um, that a a couple things that we're going to get into. Um, So he wanted to contradict their major beliefs of the time period. For example, when he talked about God creating the sun and the moon, instead of calling them uh, the sun and the moon, he called them the the greater light and the lesser light. That might seem kind of weird, um, but Back then, they actually worshipped the sun and the moon. So by saying it in a different way, he kind of downplayed it. Um, And that's what Moses wants us to understand today, uh, even 3,000 years later. And it's our first main point of tonight. It's that no matter how amazing or beautiful God's creation is, it is not worthy of our praise. Only God is worthy of our praise. So this might seem like a simple point, and you'll probably think that you never do this, maybe. At least that's what I thought when I first heard this. Um, but we often do it every day without even knowing it. Here's an example. Girls, y'all hate the beach, right? <laughs> no, girls love the beach. I can't tell you how many times on Twitter or Instagram I've seen some girl like, post something and be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to the beach, it's awesome, I love it, paradise, all this stuff. And, or like an Instagram sunset picture and it's like, heaven, you know? And I'm like, hold on, time out. What you're actually doing by saying these things, although it seems harmless is you're actually worshiping the beach more than God. And, and what, what you're doing by, by doing that, it's, you're actually breaking like laws of logic. Uh, because by worshiping something that was created more than the creator, that doesn't make any sense, right? So oftentimes we do this without even knowing it. Um, and here's another example. Not just roasting on girls here. Guys, we do the same exact thing. <sighs> guys like sports, don't we? We love sports. We love our sports. I love sports, okay? Even I didn't play them, okay? I'm scrub still, but I love the sports. <laughs> um, for example, we love watching our sports every Saturday. We love playing our sports. Uh, we love arguing about our sports. And don't even get me started on fantasy sports that don't actually exist, okay? I can't tell you how many times last, last NFL season, I'd be on my iPhone, like, researching trades and all this stuff, and it doesn't even matter. Like, it's not even real, We get so caught up in the institution of sports, um, and we lose sight of the fact that God created these sports for our our enjoyment, but we we get into them a little too much, and we actually start worshiping them. Um, So, so Here's a statement that summarizes this point. It goes like this. God created the world for us to enjoy, just like the beach in sports. He wanted us to enjoy it, but he didn't create us us to worship those things. He created us to worship him. Okay, so that's our first bit of context. Is it uh, Moses wrote the Genesis to contradict major beliefs of the time period. Now, Moses also wrote Genesis to contradict the major gods of that time period. So, like I said earlier, they worshiped the sun and the moon. And, um, but, uh, but, maybe y'all haven't heard about some of these old time gods, um, like, you know, all the types of gods that they worship, like the sun and the moon, like I said. Um, but I'm gonna tell y'all a little bit about them. They were very fickle and selfish, these gods. Um, they required endless sacrifices by the people in order to keep them happy. Um, if, you, if you think about it visually, it was all a one-way transfer. It was from the people to the gods. And they would sacrifice cal- calves and goats and stuff like that. And they would build little gold you know, like idols to worship them. Um, and they didn't receive anything in return. It was all one way. Um, And that's because, obviously, those gods weren't real. Um, But this brings us to our second main point of tonight, and it's that Moses wanted us to understand that our God loves us, okay? This separates our God from any other deity that has ever existed, because instead of being a one-way transfer from us to the God, it's God coming and intervening in our lives and working and moving, instead of us just sacrificing to him. Um, And oftentimes, we don't even do anything to him, and he still comes down, which makes him even more amazing, Um, Okay, so think about all the things that you love. Okay, we'll start with guys this time. So we'll roast on girls in a little bit, but start with guys. Um, So I'm sure, how how many people are out here from the south? Most, there we go, okay, that's what I like to see. So I would assume, I don't know, I don't know perfectly, but I would assume some of you guys have some pretty sick trucks, is that right? Can I, yeah, there we go, okay, there we go, there we go. All right, so I'm sure your truck is filthy. And if you do have a nice truck, I am jealous of you because I drive a Pathfinder. But don't get me wrong, my Pathfinder is so sick. But, um, but if I had a truck, that'd be cooler. Um, so anyway, why do you love your truck? Uh, maybe because you customize it with sick tires and rims and, and bed stuff and toolboxes. I don't know. I don't have a truck. have <laughs> never done this before. Um, or maybe it's because it fulfills a purpose for you. It makes the ladies like you, right? Because you're looking cool riding through school, high school, yeah. Um... <laughs> And so uh, these things all bring, bring value to you um, because they have a f- purpose that they fulfill and because y- you basically created it in a sense. Now girls, I'm sure y'all have something amazing that you love, maybe it's, oh my gosh, an outfit, shoes? <laughs> I, I don't know, girls confuse, y'all confuse me. I don't. Let's, just, let's just say you'll love clothes because I'm pretty sure about that. Let's say you got this great outfit, makes you look so cute And you love it, okay? Now, why do you love it? Uh, Well, its purpose is to make you look good, so it it makes you look cute, and that's its purpose, and that's why you like it. Um, And then it's also you also like it because you picked it out, right? You customize it, got your earrings, match the skirt, flowers. Yes, that's right. Um, So that is why all of these things. Now, think about it from God's perspective. We are God's cute outfits, and trucks, okay? He looks down at us, and he sees us, um, and he he loves us because he made us, um, and we have a purpose to fulfill. Um, So yeah, now, on to um, the actual book of Genesis, okay? We've had enough context. We understand that God created um, us, um, and he loves us, and we also understand that God is the only one worthy of praise. Um, The earth is not worthy of our praise, Okay, so, instead of me reading Genesis, because that would be really boring, um, we're going to go through it, and I'm going to show you some pictures, and they're really cool. Um, Okay, so I'm going to go through the main points, uh, starting with the first day of creation. All right, God, who has always existed and will never end, creates the heavens and the earth, okay? So the earth was dark, and, and the ocean swelled with water, and mountains rose high. All right, so this picture... Obviously there's a sun or a moon or something in there, so you just imagine that that's not there. Obviously you need light to take a picture, so I couldn't find any. If I wanted to show you this, I would show you a dark screen, but that's boring. Um, So anyway, also on day one, he created light to brighten up the earth. Um, So at the end of the first day, imagine light, maybe like the northern lights or that picture right there. Um, So day two, he creates the sky. Imagine a sunny day with clouds scattered across it, and it was good. Oh, isn't that delightful? Um, that's, probably what this, what, that's probably what the earth looked like um, when he first created it. All right, day three, God creates vegetation. Imagine plants and trees of every kind uh, scattered across the earth. Probably looks like a tropical rainforest. Or look, is that even real? This is, is that real life? Like, I want to go there. I don't know. But that's probably what it looked like. God was like, swirly flower path. Bam. That's awesome. Um, and our God loves us. Okay, so day four, God created the sun. Um, and the, the, like we said, the greater light and, and then the moon, which is the lesser light. Um, and then they also created the stars to govern and the, the sun gov- governed the day and the moon obviously governs the night. And he looked at it and he said it was good. All right. Almost done. Day five. He creates the birds of the air, parrots, and he creates the, uh, the, the, the fish of the sea. So we got, oh, look, okay, so I, I, like I said, you saw the pictures earlier. I love trout fishing, and I couldn't put a fish picture without including a cutthroat fish. All right, so anyway, that's, that's a little fish anatomy lesson for you. Um, but yeah, so also, you know, you got dolphins, because those are cool, and they look so happy, um, because they've just been created by God, and how would you not be happy? Right? All right, so last day, day six, God creates the beasts of the land, um, Who? So, so picture lions, and tigers, and bears, Oh my, look at him, oh yeah, that just happened, that just happened. I couldn't resist, I couldn't. Um, so anyway, uh, God creates the beast of land, lines of darkness, and maybe even my boy Loch Ness Monster. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I'm not saying, I don't know, I don't know. Um, So yeah, he has this amazing creation, and, and then he has a dilemma. He's like, I got this world and it's living, and you got the, the fish doing their thing, the birds doing their thing, plants and everything. But he had a problem, um, and he needed someone to govern over it. So now I'm actually going to pick up from Genesis and read Genesis 1, 26 through 31. All right, then God said, let us make mankind in our own image, in our own likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every living creature that moves along the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with it, seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. All right, so so, so think about this. Like we said, he had this amazing creation, and he needed someone to rule over it. So he created us in his own image. Um, our original purpose was to govern over the animals, and if you go back to Adam, his job was to name the animals. And this actually goes all the way on up, this, this job is passed on to us, and we have a, a role to play uh, play in maintaining this earth and, and everything. Um, and this brings us back to our earlier point. It's that God loves you. Uh, God created you, and he loves us because uh, he, he created us to have a purpose that we fulfill. Um, and we were like on any other thing uh, that he created uh, because we are in his image. Um, think about God as a king, maybe like a medieval king. Uh, you all probably know about medieval kings. They, they, were, they were sometimes mean to their servants, but they needed the servants. Um, and if the servant did something bad, they just banish them away, and that would be that. But God's not like that. God's a king, but he's a good king because he loves his servants. He loves us. Um, and he's not only a good king, he's more like a good father, and I'll tell you why. Um, I think we can learn so much about God's original plan by looking at what it was like in the garden when he first created us. Um, so after, after doing a little bit of research and reading this, I discovered that it's, it's pretty much overlooked, this original purpose, because the Bible, in such a grand scheme, is, is so large um, that we oftentimes forget about what God was really thinking when he created us. Um, so I put together a statement, and it goes like this. Our original purpose, before sin into the world, was to care for God's creation and live in perfect harmony with him and everything, forever, all to bring God glory now let's break that down real quick it's pretty simple um at first because you see it and it says our original purpose before sin into the world was to care for god's creation okay there's a need to care for god's creation so he created something to fulfill the need which would be us but then it goes on and it says and to live in perfect harmony with him and everything forever all to bring god glory wait a second you're telling me that God created me not only to fulfill this purpose, but also because he wants to live with me? He wants to, to be with me? And that's our last and final point of tonight, and it's probably the most important. So if you leave this talk and you only remember one thing, remember this. It's that God desires a relationship with you. He not only loves you, like we've established, but he also wants to be with you forever. Um, and I'll give you a reason why. You probably say, like, why would God pick me? You know, like, What, what is this all about? Um, but think about it this way. Maybe you've in your life, you've, you've noticed a time where you felt, you know, dissatisfied. And you felt like there was a longing in your heart for something greater. Um, and that's because God created us like that. He, he made us to long after him. There's a void in our heart that can only be filled by him. And that's what draws us to him and him to us. Um, like we said, this separates him from any other deity that has ever existed because he actually wants to be with us. Uh, like, it, like, it said, like we said in the beginning, he walked in the garden with us. That was in the perfect state where, where this could happen every day, uh, but but we've learned later that it's, it's much harder now. Um, but I think it's still amazing to just know that God loves you and that God does a desire or relationship with you. All right, so I'm going to tell you all a In closing, I'm going to tell y'all a a, a real-life story that illustrates this love, I think, to an extent, Um, and hopefully y'all can learn from it. So it's about a father and his sons. Um, It happened in the mid-1900s, so I'm not sure exactly when, but it is a true story. Um, And it goes like this. There was a man, and he had two sons. Uh, the, the older son was very, very good son. Uh, everyone loved him in the community, like upstanding citizen, everything, perfect guy. Um, but the younger son was kind of different. He was a little rebellious and, um, and, and immature. So this is back when they still did inheritance, apparently, because I didn't receive any inheritance when I turned 18. Um, so, so the father made a, a deal with his sons, and he said, when you turn 18, I will give you your share of the land. Because like I said, this is a very wealthy landowner, uh, and it happened in Salinas, California, which, if you don't know, it's kind of right near the Napa Valley a little bit, and agriculture is a very big part of their community, so this father had so much land, and he was very rich. So basically, when the sons turned 18, he would split the land up and give them their share, and they could keep it and do whatever they wanted with it. Now, the younger son, he thought to himself, he was like, once I turn 18, I am getting the heck out of Salinas, because this place is terrible. I'm going to take my money, and I'm going to go and have fun. So as he started to get closer and closer to 18, he, he... told his father, he's like, dad, remember our promise um, that you got to pay up and give me my share of the inheritance. And the father knew that the son was immature. And so he, he said, son, like, please just live with me a couple more years um, and maybe you can grow and mature and then I can give you the land. And the son was like, no, a promise is a promise. So you have to give it to me when I'm 18. Um, so sure enough, the son turns 18. Uh, the father gave him the land and the, the son uh, quickly cashed it in which equaled to over millions of dollars in our today's currency. So the son went off to New York City, took a train, um, and he, uh, he, he bought the nicest sports car he could buy. He got, got set up in the, in the highest penthouse suite in New York City and, and met all these uh, crazy friends, basically bought their friendships um, through partying and, and indulged in all these types of dating relationships. Um, and like we said, he had this his heart he was trying to fill with worldly things, um, but it only lasted so long. Uh, it only satisfied him for a, a short amount of time. He uh, he he soon ran out of money, and he, um, he, uh, he, he 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 the creditors came after him, and he 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 had to give away his sports car, his his penthouse suite, and everything, and he lost it all. Um, so soon enough, he finds himself back on the streets, uh, oftentimes rummaging through trash cans, trying to find a drip of alcohol that can fulfill his addiction that he now has. Um, SCDs are covering his body in sores and he is just in terrible shape um, one day as he's wallowing in his, in his filth he comes to a realization he's like, if I just go back to my father even if I'm working as a ranch hand I can at least have somewhere to stay and food on the table so he musters up the courage he, he goes over, uh, takes the train back to Salinas and he's about to enter his dad's property when he, he realizes like, I can't talk to my dad Like after all I've done, after I've wasted all his money I can't do that Uh, So he he ends up writing a letter to his dad, and I actually have the letter, and I'm going to read it to you all now. He goes, Father, I realize what I've done. I've wasted not only your money, but my life, which was important to you. I can't even begin to tell you about the awful things I've done. I'm embarrassed. I'm at the end of my rope. I know nothing else to do but to ask if I can return home. I know that there's no reason why you should accept me, but I plead and beg with you that if you would, even as a farm worker on your land, accept me back, I'll do anything for no pay, just room and board. He said, Father, I have just enough money to take the train that passes by our ranch in front of the apple orchard near the edge of the property. I'm going by there on the the train tomorrow at 1 p.m., and if you'd accept me back, I would ask that you simply drape an old bed sheet over one of the trees nearest the railroad as I'm passing by. I'll see the signal, and I'll know that you accepted me to come home. If that sheet is not there, then I, will, I won't stop at the train station. I'll just keep on going. You see, I can't bear to see you face to face. I don't have the courage. I've done too much, and I have no idea what's going to happen with the rest of my life. Your son. So he gave that letter uh, to one of the, the father's ranch hands, and the, he delivered it to him. That night, he went back to his hotel, uh, just couldn't sleep, so worried about what he might see in that apple orchard the next day. Um, so he wakes up, boards the train, um, goes to the back of the train, actually meets an old man, starts telling him his story. Um, and as they start to round the corner, he's like, talking to the old man, he's like, sir, can you please go to the window and, and tell me if you see a bed sheet on one of the trees? Um, and because I can't, I can't bear to watch. So the old man jumps up, looks out the window, and, and then says, son, I, I think you should look at this. Uh, the, the son hops up, looks out the window, and as they rounded the corner, as far as the eye could see, for five square miles, there was a, a bed sheet on every apple tree. Now, I think that's an amazing story that demonstrates the love this worldly father could have for his son. After all the son has done to not deserve this love, he still loves him. If you, if you compare that to God's love, God loves us 10 times more, 100 times more, million times more than this worldly father loved his son. And there's nothing you can do to break away from this love once you are his child. Um, we learned tonight that, that God loves you, that God desires a relationship with you, and He created us to fulfill a purpose and to, and, uh, to fulfill a purpose, and He loves us. Um, and, and for that reason, He's the only one worthy of our praise. Um, the world is not worthy of our praise. Um, now let me pray uh, as we close out tonight guys. Dear God, thank you so much, so much for every single student that you brought to this camp here this week, God. Uh, you brought them here for a reason, and, and, and you know why they're here, God. I pray that you just teach them so much this week, um, and that they will learn, and that they will feel your presence as they go out and do missions and other things. Uh, God, I want to thank you again for this love you show us, and I want to thank you that after all we do, Uh, to not deserve this love, you still love us, and you want a a relationship with us, God. Uh, I want to thank you again for that, and, and in your name I pray, amen. Thanks, guys.